Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Today is May 13th, 2021, and that means that tomorrow is 514, the one-year anniversary of releasing, the official release of my first book, The Hard Truth. And starting today, running for the next 28 days, all book orders from powercompanyclimbing.com will come with a new refrigerator magnet that we just had printed of Brendan Leonard's illustration for my essay, The Chains That Bind Us. That's the success pyramid made of blocks of failure, if you need that reminder in your life. All of those orders will also be signed by yours truly and will come with three postcards with Brendan's fabulous illustrations and a, a quote from each of those chapters on the back, ready for a stamp and ready for you to send to a friend who might need to hear a hard truth. Each order will also come with our Banana Commit sticker and our Banana Commit journal, of which I have about 10 lying around at all times. Also, in these next 28 days, I'll be reading to you each day an essay from the book here on the podcast. And I had always planned to release an audiobook. I mean, why not? I've got all the equipment. It makes sense that I would read the book and release it that way. But as I sat down to do it, it just seemed a little stodgy to, to follow the rules of the audiobook. Um, so instead, I'm going to do it here for you. You're going to hear the page turning because I want to read from the physical book. I'm not interested in reading the Kindle version. Um, I like to see Brendan's illustrations while I read. So you're going to hear the page turning. You're going to hear the, the throat clearing. You're going to hear, if I need to make a comment mid-chapter, I'm going to do so. Um, if I want to laugh at my own jokes, fuck it, I'll laugh at my own jokes. I'm also going to, after reading the essay, have a quick chat with my friends about the essay. Um, I'll be reaching out to a bunch of different people whose opinions that I respect. I've asked them to tell me their favorite chapters, and I've divvied those essays up amongst them. Um, I'm really looking forward to to learning what they have taken away from these essays. Um, I'm, I'm very guilty of putting out content, putting out art, and then never following it up, never, never walking behind it to see what the reaction to it is. I, I put things out and I move on to the next thing. So for me, this is going to be so much fun. And maybe you'll get a new perspective on that essay as well. All right, today, because we're just introducing this project, I think it just makes sense that we start with the introduction. 
Power Company Climbing began as a blog about an experiment. I was dissecting myself, working to figure out the best way to climb 514 by the time I turned 40. I wanted to be the best I could be within the parameters of my real life, career, parenting, homeowner, etc. I didn't have time for excuses, so I took a hard truth approach to every single session. No trophies for showing up, no medals for doing my job, no hollow backpats when the work I put in was half-assed. Of course, that no-bullshit approach made its way onto the blog. Those posts became some of our most popular. As not only the power company grew, but the climbing training community along with it, the messages in those essays seemed even more urgent. A few things have changed with time. The girlfriend or fiancé in the essays is now my wife, and we bought a house we love and built the machine shop, our amazing home wall, in one of the best climbing towns in the country. While I now know that not every coaching situation calls for my no-frills approach, I still apply these ideas to my own climbing. In fact, I apply them to everything that I do, and I don't for a second consider that being hard on myself. Without mistakes, there's no reason to grow but we need to acknowledge the mistakes before realizing that growth. I'm just quick to acknowledge the mistakes. You may not be, and that's entirely okay. I believe in the power of words to both help and to do harm. I'm aware that for some, the directness of the words chosen in this book may not be helpful. We're all on a timeline, and if these words impact you at the wrong time, while I can't apologize, I can suggest that you save them for when you might need them. Some of the words used have changed from the original essays. My editor, Brittany, pointed out a few words and phrases that could easily be misinterpreted. We've worked hard to make sure the final words chosen are inclusive and better represent who I've become. I believe in change, the necessity of it. The entire purpose of this book is to push the boundaries of what's comfortable for you, to help you shine an uncompromising light on the nearly invisible aspects of your climbing that might be holding you back. I suggest you take a deep breath and use it for exactly that. Maybe a few of these essays, some written over the years on the Power Company blog, some written specifically for this book, now paired with the brilliant illustrations from my friend Brendan Leonard, will resonate with you. Maybe they won't. However, if you've been a reader for a while, you already know that the reason you're feeling defensive is because I was looking right at you when I wrote this. Incidentally, I didn't reach that dream goal of climbing 514 by 40. I missed it by three weeks. I blame that entirely on me. Hi, um, this is Brittany Hoffman, and um, I'm based out of Wisconsin right now. Do you feel like you've been trapped in Wisconsin? Yes, I feel trapped. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. I, I that is a that thousand the percent the feeling. <laughs> I wondered if that was the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, something else I've been doing through this whole thing is most people, when they introduce themselves, are very understated and humble about who mm-hmm. they are, I think. And and I want to build people up and let them know how I see them because that's something that I think maybe I haven't done in my life as well as I could have. And this being a victory lap, you know, I want to do that. And 
I was going to ask you what title you would give yourself within this company. We've used the term project manager, but that's not right. That's not the I term. have thought about this so much, especially just trying to summarize it on a resume. And I have absolutely no term that I feel like applies. But what I come back to most is like creative projects. And I mean, I'm not really a project manager. I feel like right. you sort of have a vision or um, an idea in mind. And I sort of try to figure out how to best um, accomplish that in various steps. So I guess there's like some project management involved, but it mostly feels like taking bits and pieces of ideas and like put, actually putting them together in a, a concrete way. So it's not so much project managing because I'm doing more actual creation of things yeah. than I am managing anybody else. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, in trying to make myself come up with a short, succinct title, I sort of came up with creative advisor. Oh, okay. I like that. Um, and I don't think that completely captures it either because I am, I'm so appreciative of the, the questions you ask me, the the voice you've helped me find, um, the voice you bring to our always interesting, always great, deep conversations. Um, you've helped me understand where where my growth has come to and where it's going. Um, in a way that I can't really explain as anyone listening can hear. Um, <laughs> and I, and I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Do you remember that you tried to quit? Oh yeah. I remember it so well. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. I this remember morning. it so well. <laughs> <laughs> I almost like when, when you, told me that you didn't think you could keep doing it because things were just getting overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, I was, I almost felt like this like boyfriend who won't let his <laughs> girlfriend break up with him, you know, who's <laughs> like, no, you can't leave, you know, but. Well, that was not how it felt no, to me at no, all, no, no. actually. No, I don't I don't think I approached it that way. No, but, but initially no. that was my like first thought. Like, I can't let this happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um you know it was interesting because uh I've obviously coming into this today, I've been thinking a lot about just the process of starting this and where I was at when we sort of agreed to bring me on and then how quickly things changed so immediately for me afterward. And, um, you know, I was just in this place where I was like <laughs> in the midst of a really crazy breakup and transition. Yeah. And I had like all of these ideas about what, <laughs> Oh, sorry. Oh, um, I'm good. I'm try to keep them as quiet as possible, but he lives um, there too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my sister's here. That's why <laughs> there's some movement in and out of the house. Um, but uh, getting back on track to what I was saying, I think that I had all these expectations for myself of like what I wanted this job to look like and sort of projected a lot of high expectations on you about what you wanted um to make this job into and we didn't know each other that well yet. So yeah. I think actually me trying to quit was a really important moment of like trust building for me mm -hmm. in our working relationship because I 
had a better scope and understanding of like the kind of boss you were and like what you were looking to prioritize, particularly just with, I think, more or less a human experience over than uh, over like a super professional or, yeah, you know, or like a what's the word disciplined experience. Like I realized there was not only room for me to be like, Hey, I actually don't have time for this this week, but also room for me to push back in a way that felt feels really meaningful and is always really well received. Like, I feel like that was a big important moment for me. I was like, Oh, he can hear my feedback on things and really take it in and listen. And I was like, cool. Okay. I'm, I'm for being an environment like that. (laughs) Well, that's an important part of it for me, you know, and and I learned it with you, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, there were times, you know, there, there has been feedback that you gave that stung a little at first. And I have to sit in that for a minute before I respond. And, Learning that has been really powerful for me because in in all of those cases, you know, you are able to also take my response and and turn it into a conversation. Um, mm-hmm. You said something the other day. I mentioned to you that social media is not a conversation. And yeah. you said, no, it's a conflict. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and very often that's what what feedback or a disagreement becomes is immediately Mm -hmm. a conflict and you've allowed this space. And I think I've been okay at, you know, also helping that space to exist where there's a conversation that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially taking something that, you know, I initially created entirely on my own. Like I'm writing these blog posts Mm -hmm. They are like little creations of mine that I could feel a way about, right? Like I could Mm -hmm. feel like I have this ownership over. And I think creative people often do when Mm -hmm. someone critiques something they created, feel really personal about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I learned through our process an easier way to step back and say, Mm -hmm. Once I release this, it's no longer mine. Mm-hmm. You know, this becomes everyone else's. And mm-hmm. and I want to make sure they're responding to it in a way somewhat similar to how I intended. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's going to change. But I what I really didn't want were things that came out as harmful. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I believe so much in the power of words to inspire. So I can't possibly believe that words can't harm. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't make that flip. Um, mm-hmm. And you pointed out some things in those earlier essays that, that mm-hmm. oftentimes I hadn't even considered, you know, that <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I don't make that connection to it. You know, totally. One, one good example is the essay in the book called the false ceiling. Um, Mm -hmm. the original title of that essay when I wrote it years ago was the glass ceiling. And, and you said, this is something that mostly women identify with, with the Mm -hmm. glass ceiling. Well, not just women, but I just think, um, more like non-white male people. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I just hadn't seen it that way. To me, it, it just represented this 
ceiling that didn't actually exist, you know, but once mm-hmm. you said that, and that was one of those things where I, I'm like, in my immediate response is I want to push back on that. Like, mm-hmm. do, do we have to always look at things through this lens? And then I'm like, you know what? People will look at this through this lens, whether, and, whether yeah. I do or not, whether I realized it or not, mm-hmm. some people will, and I don't want that. And I think too, specifically with that essay, because there was a, a lot of different reasons for adjusting um, content. Like there was a few, there was another essay and I can't remember specifically. <laughs> there, there was one where I would I went in and edited. This was before maybe we were more open in our communication, but I, I can't remember what the breakdown was. There's like, you're giving an example of like a group of people at the gym. And like, oh, yeah. that's the, and how like, your friends are holding you back. Yes. Day. And, um, I I think it was like all the women were hot and like all the men were strong or like not all the men were strong, but like some Mm. of them were strong. And I was like, the women are strong and some of the men are hot. And I was like, maybe he won't notice. (laughs) And eventually I was like, I'll, I'll just tell him later that I changed it. Um, but with the glass ceiling one specifically, that was more like, I was really invested in the idea you were trying to convey with that essay. And I felt like I had so many um, associations with the term, the glass ceiling. I wasn't reading your meaning in a way that was as effective as it could be. And it was like, I was getting hung up on this term and this idea and this experience I've had um, in a lot of different situations. And I was like, okay, so how do we clarify this idea to make it more accessible, to make it something that, people don't get hung up on. And what was interesting was I like conducted a mini survey. I like um, texted a ton of people, like men and women. And I was like, Mm. what do you think of when you think of this term? And all the women described the glass ceiling as like this invisible barrier for women where, you know, you can't go past it. You're not allowed into upper you know, experiences of power. And all the men were like, hmm, I don't know. I had to look it up on Google. I'm not really sure what that means. I guess Mm -hmm. just a barrier. So I was like, okay, so this is something very specific. But what also I think reading the book as a woman, and I also think trying to make climbing feel more, um, you know, less, um, what's the word? Like default male, basically. Um, That was important to me to make that clarification and make it the, the message more clear for everyone, I think. Yeah. And I, I think that's the big, the big part of what you brought to this process was making the message more clear from a wider, wider perspective. Um, you know, I, I have my white male perspective. That's, that's what yeah. I grew up with and it's what I understand best. And even though I'm, you know, at a point in my life where I'm trying hard to better understand other perspectives, that's still the lens that colors everything for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just like being a white woman colors the, you know, everything that I interpret too. Just like I was going back to this um, when we were talking the other day about how, you know, I've never had the experience of um, being told to limit how I express my feelings really or, mm. or show affection and like, so it's interesting and so complex. It's like, I also can't know what your experience is like or see through your lens either, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, you know, I think the, the process of making this book 
has maybe <laughs> this isn't the right word, but it's it's ruined any any further creative thing that I want to do on my own because now I'm like <laughs> I need Brittany <laughs> to help me so through, very this, through this question, you know. <clears throat> it's and, and you're the first person I think of when there is a, wow. you know, we had a long talk yesterday um, mm-hmm. uh, on a similar idea where mm-hmm. I I am feeling conflicted emotions or have mm-hmm. conflicting thoughts about something that I am making and, and I want to talk through those. And mm-hmm. the easiest way to do that for me at this point, maybe, um, to your detriment is <laughs> to call you. <laughs> so. Well, actually, it's such a great opportunity for me because so many of these things are just swimming around in my head all the time. So being able to talk to somebody who's really listening to me is such a gift. Like it's really, <laughs> it, it feels like there's a reason to be constantly having all these ideas spinning in my head. But some, but sometimes the reward in and of itself is not, not just to... I mean, being listened to is is one of the big ones, and then also feel like I'm feeling like I'm contributing to this like community I really care about in a way that um, is hopefully in small ways making it more accessible mm. uh, or feel more welcoming to a lot of people, and and that's yeah, that's I think the opportunity to do that where it's encouraged has felt very rare. Like I think I've played this role in many jobs I've been in, in that, you know, it's hard for me not to voice um, things. And I try always to do it in a way that's really um, recognizes the other person's humanity. It's shocking to me to hear that this was like a newer learning process for you because that wasn't the way that I experienced it from you. Mm. I was like, oh, he has a lot of experience just getting having pushback and he's really good at managing critique i was like yeah that's totally part of his (laughs) (laughs) skill set i never got that like whatever you were internally processing was never put onto me really because i didn't experience that element of it that's good it's it's something i've sought uh, Mm -hmm. in my life um and and i've had a few key people be willing to to give that and i've always appreciated it it doesn't change the fact that there are still times when i'm bad at it that there are still times when i get the feedback and i'm immediately defensive you know that's certainly going to happen and it happens with some people more than others you know lana Mm -hmm. and i constantly argue (laughs) and and we're both defensive immediately at at the other's suggestions you know right but we we exist in a weird kind of happy place there. You know? Yeah. And the relationship with you is a different kind of feedback relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually was just telling Annalisa the other night that I, I don't remember any of my college classes mm. um, except for one. And the reason I remember it, it was a, a figure drawing class. Mm. And we would do these exercises where... We did really quick figure studies, and then we would put them all up on the wall, and we would critique each other's 
drawings. Mm -hmm. And we Mm -hmm. did this every class. And I just happened to be really good at figure drawing. It was one of Mm -hmm. my big strengths coming out of high school. And the class would always choose not to critique my drawing. Oh, interesting. That's really frustrating. And I was like, yeah, I find that really frustrating. Like, yeah, tell me some things, you know, Mm -hmm. and I ended up just stopping going to class because I was getting nothing out of it, you Mm -hmm. know? So, so I seek these things out and I don't find them in a way that you provided very often. Well, that means a lot to me. I mean, it's, it's a skill set I work really Mm. hard on, which should come as no surprise, but I think I'm somebody who's not afraid of conflict and that can sometimes, and, and sometimes is meant not knowing when to take a break or say, we don't have to have this conversation. But I also think it's helped me to step into situations that uh, could be tense in a way that I know my primary goal is to like recognize where you're coming from on the other side and Mm -hmm. understand your experience leading up to the thing I'm trying to bring up or, or talk about and not, I think this happens a lot online where we sort of project um, the bad guy onto whoever is disagreeing with us and in conversation. It's so easy to do that. I do it all the time. Um, But especially when you're in a working relationship with somebody that dynamic is so important to me. Like I want to be able to talk about things that are um, that we don't agree on or things that are critical. Like I'm very critical minded. It's just how my brain works. So I try to separate that from making a value judgment about people, especially in projects. Like I'm trying always my best to be like, I see these things, but seeing them is one of the ways that I say that I care about something. Mm. And I also really welcome being told no, being told uh, I don't agree with you or I agree with parts or don't agree with the whole thing. Um, so I think it's that dynamic. It's interesting um, we bring this up because I just had a conversation. I Do you know Andy uh, and uh, Brand- Brandon? Andy yeah. and Brandon. Brandon. Um, Brandon, yeah. Sorry. Brandon, um, Bran- Brennan, Brandon. I know too many I'm Brennan, Brandon. So it's Brennan. It's Brennan. I know yeah. it's Brennan, but it's Andy. Um, and me and Andy talk a lot online, and we were just talking about how we've totally gotten into like giant arguments about things. But she's a person I just adore having those arguments with because she pushes back but at the end of the day we still friends we're still friends we know we respect each other and we can just jump into another conversation yeah you know the next day and it's not and it's about expanding your ideas not about whether or not you're right or wrong or whether or not your stance is correct or like morally valuable but about Mm -hmm. okay how can we push each other to be better to think about this in a new way to consider this perspective and that is how like that's the kind of growth I appreciate doing. So it's something that I I think prioritize a lot in all of my relationships. It's really interesting hearing you say this. Um, we've never really had this conversation. No, we no, off, we never you know? have. We always are like, we'll just save it for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, because 
you know, we often hear that, you know, two people who are exactly alike will constantly butt heads, you know? Hmm. Okay. And, and I also like and invite conflict to a Mm -hmm. degree. I'm, I'm totally part of my love language is being critical same. You know, mm-hmm. whether it works for the person I'm <laughs> yeah. giving it to is a different story. God but, help the people who <laughs> love me. <laughs> but it but it is part of what I do. And and I think there could exist. Luckily there doesn't in this situation, you know, between you and I, but mm-hmm. but there could exist some some little kink or whatever that we couldn't get past that could make it very hard for us to communicate because Mm -hmm. we're both critical because we both, um, you know, use that as a love language Mm -hmm. because there are some people who, when they are critical, I'm immediately defensive. Yeah. See, Mm. I would say I'm critical, but I'm not necessarily stubborn. Like there are Mm. things I'm extremely stubborn about and I will be the first to tell you that. But those are more like personal values about equity and inclusion and and things like that and about moving towards making a more inclusive world. I mean, those things are always in my mind in any job I'm in. But when it comes to like the minutiae of a project or ideas, I am not married to having my idea be the thing. And I actually find it more rewarding. And I, and this has been my experience with you as well, is that when we collaborate and it becomes something better than either of us could have created, that's a really exciting moment for me. Like the the book cover is a great example of that. Mm -hmm. That was like a moment where we were going back and forth and we were both, um, uh, submitting ideas and it just kind of became this thing. And then eventually the, you know, the split banana on the cover ended up being this symbol of the book. And it was not something I think either of us could have just come up with no, on our own. No way. So it's those moments that I'm striving for or that I look for, I think. And that's probably why for both of us, I don't think either of us are completely married to our idea being the thing or us thinking we have the ultimate right decision or we've come to a place of, yes, I know this is the thing that needs to be done. And sometimes that is true. Like sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it's your business and we're just going to do what you said. <laughs> there aren't going to be yeah. 10 softer essays in the book. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. There was a, there was a request for something softer. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't have been the hard truth then. No, it's true. It would have been I'm the like, medium what? truth. The medium truth, but maybe <laughs> you know <laughs> some I don't... more introspective essays. <laughs> and you know we have other books we can make. So totally, yeah, absolutely. And I think, but that's that's a helpful barrier to set because you were like, I know I have a vision for this. This is yeah. what I see this being. So there are moments when that's important. But I think mm-hmm. um, there's a flexibility with that kind of stuff with both of us, which is why I don't think there's like. Yeah, the stuff we get stuck on necessarily. I don't feel yeah. like we've ever gotten really stuck on an idea where we just flat out disagree and walk away from it. I can't think yeah, I, of anything. I can't either. And that actually surprises me a little. I, I almost don't understand myself today even more <laughs> than I didn't understand myself yesterday now that we're having this conversation. <laughs> because, because, you know, thinking about the cover of the book... You know, I'm like, 
which one of these charts do you think would work best on the book? They're trying <laughs> to put put one of Brendan's charts on. And I'm like, these are the three I like. And you're like, I just don't think the charts work, you know? Mm-hmm. And rather yeah. than me doing what I think, you know, what I've decided in my head is my normal and mm-hmm. saying, well, I think I think this is the way, mm-hmm. you know, instead I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, it is it is a little much to process when there's a chart on the cover. Let's keep looking, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know why I go down that path with you, but I'm glad that I do. Well, I did present mm-hmm. you the option of it, too, which I think is like, uh, yeah, I'm now unpacking like what makes a good partnership in my head. But I think like the thing about that disagreement, I was like very adamantly opposed to a chart being on the cover. And I didn't necessarily say that, but I was like, no, this is not going to work. This isn't going to be eye catching. But I think that my method of dealing with that was like, but I could be wrong. So why don't I make a cover and see what I can do with it? And I'll try my best. And like, you know, and if he likes it, ultimately it's his book and like whatever he chooses on the cover should be the cover. And I don't have to like it, but if I make something and we both go, "Mm, that's not really working, then there's an opportunity for change. Instead of just shutting down an idea on the onset, which is I think where people get stuck, they're like, no, that's never going to work. And that's where defensiveness arises, you know, instead of like, hey, hear me out. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe my idea isn't complete. Like, maybe it isn't going to be the ultimate decision but maybe there's elements in my idea that could be valuable and when you have somebody just shut the door on you it feels like they're not hearing any part of what you're trying to offer and I think that's um maybe why we don't get stuck on things because I I genuinely don't try to shut the door on any ideas unless there's some sort of like foundational belief I have but we've never really come across anything like that, you know? Yeah. That's so valuable to have, um, and to have in a way that it can bounce back and forth Mm -hmm. until it doesn't need to anymore. You know, it's not a situation where I send you an idea, you send me a thing back and I feel like, oh, I don't want to, um, I don't want to hurt her feelings by saying, Mm -hmm this isn't right. So we're just going to go with it. You know, I feel totally comfortable saying that's not exactly right. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's keep working on it. You know, I do like Mm -hmm. this and I think you're right about this, but Mm -hmm. you know, let's, let's try to go these directions maybe. And you can say Mm -hmm. the same things to me and Mm -hmm. it's a really valuable and I think kind of rare thing to find. Yeah. I, I, it, I definitely I'm I'm trying to think of other I mean I've just I've just played different roles. I haven't had such a creative role in other jobs that I've had. So I think this is a new experience for me. Um but I was thinking about how it's the same. I if I have a random idea, I've had so many random ideas about things we could do for power company or things we could include. Mm-hmm. I know that if I think it's a genuinely good idea, you're going to hear me out. Or like if I just toss it out there, you're going to consider it. So there's this openness in that where it's like there's like a safe space uh, or like a safety in just throwing ideas out there and knowing that neither like either person isn't going to be like that was stupid. That was dumb. We both know that elements of what we're 
presenting will be considered and could be like used collaboratively in the future. The mm-hmm. only thing I've ever been shut down on is putting softer essays in the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm still glad that I shut that down. No, I am um, too. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> I had a moment during the making of the book uh, near the end of it where I sort of felt like, you know, there's the, the old, kung fu master who's like snatch the pebble out of my hand you know (laughs) and and the kid's like trying to snatch the pebble from his hand and can't do it and can't do it Uh and then and then i had a moment where i felt like i snatched the pebble and it was the essay um the how your friends are holding your back essay Uh that was one of the most popular essays i had written on my blog Mm -hmm. because Um, And I don't know how much of this I've told you, but it was written about real people in the gym that I climbed in at the time. They knew exactly who they were. You know, when I wrote it, when I wrote, I described them like all those descriptions were real people. (laughs) That's so funny. I was like, nope, (laughs) some of them. (laughs) And it just happened to be this, this group of, you know, quite beautiful people. And I described them. I I put the blog out there and the next day at the gym everybody was pissed off. You know? No way. Either either people were pissed off or people thought it was hilarious because they knew exactly who I was talking about. <laughs> and okay. So and I think a lot of people read that essay and could envision that group in their gym. Like, yeah, you know, oh, all immediately. Mhm. Um so that that essay was one of the really popular ones from the blog way back then. Mm-hmm. But its original title was Fairy Circles. Yeah. And mm-hmm. my my like connection with fairy circles at the time when it popped into my head was mm-hmm. the, you know, a fairy circle, the fairies dancing around in this right. circle like of cartoon fairies and, in the woods. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, my mom was super into Wiccan. When I was a kid, like yeah. she was, mm-hmm. she for real believed she was a witch. Yeah, and we would go hunting for fairy rings in wow. the in the woods, you know, mm-hmm. and and witches and you know weird things in the woods, and that was my childhood. So mm-hmm. similarly, similarly as a kindergartner, I told a girl on the bus fairies weren't real, and she cried. So <laughs> <laughs> amazing, <laughs> but. But when we got to that that point in the book and I looked back and I saw that title, I was like, could could people read this as some sort of a homophobic mm-hmm. slur? It's mm-hmm. not meant that way. It was never meant that way. But mm-hmm. as soon as I release it, context is gone. Gone. You yes. know, mm-hmm. it can be taken any way that someone else wants to take it. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's my job as somebody who has has a voice in this community mm-hmm. to try to use words that that can't be taken out of context as much as mm-hmm. possible it's never going to mm-hmm. be 100% no. yeah but if there's a similar word i can use if i can still get the point across if i can mm-hmm. get my message out there and not mm-hmm. use the words that can so easily be taken out of context mm-hmm. And and then end up harmful. Then I'm mm-hmm. 
then I should do that. You know, Absolutely. and that's what I, that's one of the biggest lessons I learned from you in the making of this book. And that was my like snatch the pebble out of your hand moment. Totally. Mm-hmm. I felt like, shit, now I get it, you know? Yeah. And I think opportunities, uh, we've talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, so often <laughs> when we're creating non-inclusive spaces it's a failure of imagination like we're Mm. imagining our audience looks exactly like us and um all it takes i think for me or or something i consciously practice a lot is like trying to imagine speaking to a much more diverse group of people than just would be me and i i mean uh, the example i always use is i had a a sewing account um an instagram like i had a sewing business and you know, like it would be really, really easy to project and assume that everyone who followed me like looked like me. Mm-hmm. And so just in small ways, consciously making decisions to open up space for other people, I think is really important. And one really cool example recently, I was at um, Boulders in Madison. You've, you've mm-hmm. been there a few times, right? Yeah. Yep. And I hadn't climbed since I think the week the pandemic hit, I I hadn't gotten back in the gym at all. And I went to Boulders and it was so nice. It was so exciting to be back in the gym. And I went in the bathroom and they had tampons and pads in the bathroom. Mm. And I was like, I'm still kind of overwhelmed by how much that impacted me. but. Climbing has always been this world that feels very male. And it it's always felt like there's certain traits or certain ethics or certain beliefs you have to take on as a woman in climbing to sort of get mentored or be um, accepted into certain circles or be invited into certain spaces, especially out here because learning to climb outside is a real hurdle at Devil's Lake. Right. Um, and it was this really eye-opening moment for me of like just seeing that in the bathroom and going like, this space is for me. Like this climbing gym, like it's for me too. Like it's for women. Like yeah. It isn't, I'm not an afterthought. Like I'm actively a part of this community. I'm someone people expect to be here. And I think that was maybe one of the first times I've really had that experience in climbing where I was like, I'm not just you know, some, somebody, somebody's expect, you know, girlfriend, someone's expecting to come along, you know, this is for me too. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a million little ways we make opportunities to tell people that, or we, we say that to people. And that's kind of what I'm always looking for is not opportunities to be hypercritical, but like, where are there moments when I can say to people like, this was made for you. Like, this is for you, too. Like, I'm thinking about you. This community is also yours, you know? Yeah. That's that's something I go back to all the time. I I do know, to a degree. I'm learning more and more. Um, mm-hmm. A huge part in thanks to you. Um, I think you just summed it all up, kind of the entire making of this book and really trying to examine the words that we were using mm-hmm. um, in order to to make it more inclusive, to make sure that we weren't excluding people. You yeah. Know? Um, it means so much that you didn't quit, 
<laughs> I'm glad every day I didn't quit. <laughs> <laughs> that you allowed me to talk you back into to working more at your pace. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I appreciate your voice in here. I It's this interesting thing, and I think about this a lot, actually, where, you know, there's there's a, a a musical artist, you know, and we think, oh, Kendrick Lamar made this album, you right? Know? Mm -hmm. But really, it was seventy five or hundred people who made the album, you know. Absolutely, and, and we have no idea who played a part in creating what. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like. I wish there were a way or I wish I had figured out a way to give you give you more of the flowers you deserve <laughs> in the creation of this thing because it really did play a huge part in it that that I can't I can't overstate. That's so funny because my perception of it is like I felt more included or like more recognized on than on any project I've maybe ever worked on. So I mean, well, good. I'm, yeah, I'm glad I that came like... through. <laughs> <laughs> like I was, I was reading the acknowledgements the other mm -hmm. day, and and I don't mention you in the acknowledgements. I mention you in the introduction. Yeah, I but that makes you, sense to me. I mention well, you yeah. in the like in some of the chapters. Mm -hmm. And when I was reading the acknowledgements for this project, I was like, what the fuck? How, how did I not, you know, and then I had to go back through the book and be like, okay, where, you know, mm -hmm. how did I come to the conclusion that I shouldn't? At least I don't think I did. Um, I feel like you wrote the acknowledgements kind of early on. I don't know that I think it, I did actually. I don't know that it would have made sense. Just like I mentioned the, the power company where, team. Um, yeah. As yeah. a whole. But also you posted things on Instagram too. So I, I felt yeah. like, yeah, I always felt like recognized for sure in the process, but I, I didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind that I should have been or including the acknowledgements at all, because I feel like just where we're at and building a professional relationship, it just like, I don't know, it just didn't make sense at that time. Or okay. like we didn't have the hindsight really of the book yet. It, we were still very much in the middle of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We I were not from the outside looking in. We were very much from the inside of it until, I don't know, probably a couple months after it was released, I would think. Yeah, for sure. I didn't have time to to stand outside of it at all for, for many yeah. months because we were constantly reordering and shipping more and, mm -hmm. you know, riding the banana wave. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> the Instagram story banana wave. Yeah, so well, you are massively appreciated, and and I Thank appreciate you. you having this conversation. I think it, you know, can be beneficial to anybody trying to make a creative thing to to look outside their own perspectives. Um, mm -hmm. Bring someone in who's good at that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and you have to have value for that, though, and I think that's. Yeah the really essential element is like, I can be critical all day and I could do it in a way that's terrible too and not constructive at all. But also if I'm not being heard or you're not really taking into consideration, you know, the person who's offering those ideas, it's really not worth anything. And yep. that's why this dynamic works so well. It's just because I know that I'm really being listened to. So it just gives me more confidence to, 
um, you know, try more ideas or bring up more things or more complexities too, you know? Good. And hopefully your anxieties did not um, come to fruition in this conversation. No, I feel good about it. I feel, <laughs> good. I feel like I did. Good. Oh, I did want to go on the record and say there is a an essay in the book that says that I would have said the essay didn't fit in the book, but um, I never would have said that. <laughs> I think actually while I was reading it, I qualified it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, occasionally I added my own little notes while I was reading. Um, <laughs> to record these and i think uh -huh. i said you know my editor Brittany would have told me and then i'm like but yes actually she didn't you know? she wouldn't have no <laughs> the, the minute i read that essay i was like oh no i think this fits in the book <laughs> for sure okay <laughs> <laughs> all right well i'm gonna i'm gonna stop you know putting you in the position where you feel like you have to volley the compliments back to me <laughs> no saying, I, I don't feel that way <laughs> by saying just thank you so much tomorrow if you aren't making progress you're probably making excuses we don't tweet we scream like eagles <laughs> This time, 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 this